Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Dr. Johnston. Hello. Uh, hello. Uh, well, since you guys are Christian thinkers... Sorry, I just want to leave that question. I wanted to get your input on that. Sure, appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. That's my question. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show, combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. Welcome. It's great to have you to the program today. This is Jeremiah Johnston, and we have a special show lined up for you on Faith Radio Network. I have invited someone I've long admired, Marjorie Dannenfelser, president of the Susan B. Anthony List, to join me for an entire program dedicated to why every single follower of Jesus must be unapologetically pro-life and stand with conviction for life at all levels from conception onwards. Friends, this is such an important discussion that we're going to have today. I've been praying for this broadcast for weeks, and I'm praying for the thousands who will listen to it, who will share it on social media, and I know that you are going to be challenged to get engaged in this discussion. And I know many of you who have been praying for decades, for years, for babies. Those of you who have stood in the gap before the Lord for the land, you're going to be encouraged by some of the things you learned today in our discussion with Marjorie. You know, it's, this, is an, this is an issue that has been central to Christianity since the earliest days. I say that as a historical Jesus scholar. I, I say it as someone who has studied the impact of Christianity's from the first century forward. When you look at these important works like the Didache from the second century, who discussed those who persecute the good, who hate truth, who love falsehood, who do not show mercy to a poor person, who are not distressed by the plight of the oppressed, who are, quote, child murderers who destroy what God has formed. We see very clearly that Christianity was very articulate from the earliest days with this clear implication that because the wicked did not know God, who created humanity in his own image, they thought nothing of murdering children and destroying what God had formed in the womb. And we see that Christianity, the gospel, it is holistic. It penetrates, yes, the heart, the soul, the spirit, but to every aspect of human life. And so this caused the earliest Christians to be unashamedly pro-life and to actually not just talk bad about it, but to stand in the gap and to save the young, to save the exposed infants and children. It's inspirational. I've written about it and I've spoken about it uh, across the country and across um, Canada and the United Kingdom as well. And I've spoken about it in media. It's something that I want you to be informed about. By the way, check out my book, Unimaginable, What the World Would Be Like Without Christianity for some of the, those primary sources that I cite uh, from the DDK and others that reflect the ideas about Christianity being pro-life ardently pro-life from the very beginning. Friends, I've got Marjorie Dandenfelser right on hold. I can't wait to dive into this discussion. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio Network.
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. All of you joining us across both the Central and Eastern time zones on Faith Radio Network. You are in for a treat because I have joining us right now uh, someone who is a new friend, someone who I have long admired, Mrs. Marjorie Dandenfelser, president of Susan B. Anthony. Marjorie, Marjorie, it's so great to have you on the program today. Oh, it's a delight to be with you. You're everywhere. It's just great. (laughs) Well, listen, um, I want our radio audience to know that I've known of Marjorie and her influence on our country as both president and one of the original organizers of Susan B. Anthony List. I've known about you, Marjorie, for years but I had the personal opportunity to be impacted by your ministry, by your leadership, and by your influence. Listening to you speak live at the Wilberforce Conference in Washington, D.C. Now, I know you speak um, all over the place every week of your life, but I happen to be one of the speakers that weekend. But I wanted to get there. I had actually planned my flight to get in early because I would not miss your message, Marjorie. And it was so powerful. <laughs> it brought everyone to their That's feet. Beautiful. It was anointed, and it's a message that we need to get out as far and wide as we can. And so, friends, again, if you're just joining us on Faith Radio Network on the Jeremiah Johnson Show, we have Marjorie Dannenfelser, president and original organizer of the Susan B. Anthony List. For those who may not know, um, first easy question, tell us about the Susan B. Anthony List. Well, we began to fill a really important role that had not been filled, and that was to build and have a very strong arm for the pro-life movement, one that is um, uh, strong enough that reflects the importance of that movement. The unions have a really strong political arm. They speak loudly and people hear them. The the NRA, um, all all across the board. So if guns can have a really strong advocate in elections and in lobbying, why shouldn't the babies? And so that was what we set out to do. um, And we really had surrounded it with a lot of women's leadership, women who love men. Um, And uh, (laughs) and it's been a beautiful, um, by God's grace, um, it has really grown and had quite an influence over time. And I want to hear more about your personal faith journey as well, because I think it's a real inspiration for so many thousands who are listening to you on Faith Radio Network who feel a calling on their life. But, I mean, I, I look at your influence now and how God is using you, Marjorie. You've published widely in Time, The Washington Post, National Review. You've been profiled um, in newspapers and writings both here in the United States, Canada, and in the United Kingdom. I see you regularly on all the major cable news networks. Um, you serve on the board of the Alliance Defense uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, as well as Life Perspectives Task Force. Um, you're someone, though, who also has influence in several key areas in private meetings as well with men and women of leadership. But you were pro-choice in college. So, I mean, tell us about your journey. Yeah, I was. And by God's grace, the things that you said um, have come to pass. Um, but that is after a great humbling that I pray for humbling every day, and I seem to still get it. I have five kids, so they, and one fantastic husband. Um, so uh, I, the the, the path of humility is, uh, you know, a day to day thing. Um, but so that was that central moment of of um, not mind changing from pro choice to pro life, which was really a moment of several years. Um, mm was a a change of worldview, um, bigger than just changing a policy position. Um, I was a very strong, I was a Duke College Republican chairman, and I was a very strong advocate for abortion. I thought it was sort of in that libertarian mode of leave everybody alone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I really interacted with great um, Christians who knew their who knew what they um, who knew what they thought and how to how to be kind and compelling. Also, just in the area of academics, just studying philosophy, you know, a lot of things. And then the hard task of arguing a truly intellectually shallow argument um, in a really competitive setting was a real gift because all mm. I could get to was my body, my choice. I really, there was nothing more profound or compelling than that. And I did finally get to the point only by God's grace and good people who allowed that grace to work through them uh, to the point of seeing that maybe there's another human being with equal moral standing as women that's involved in this conversation. And if that's true, then this is a completely different story. If I was, if I was right about the pro-choice position, then we're the stupidest movement that ever lived. It's like saying, don't get an appendectomy. But if I was right, then this is the greatest human rights cause of our time. And I came to believe um, the latter. And so everything I said I would not do, I ended up doing. Wow. <laughs> I, I would never be in that crowd. I would never, you know, make that part of a profession, certainly. I'd never, hey, marry a man from New Jersey. I'm totally from the South. Like, oh, my gosh, I can't even imagine that. Of course, he got introduced me to that person. So all the things – so. So that humbling of being totally wrong and being an advocate for that and then turning to the other side changed everything. And really, then God, uh, you know, in small ways and large, showed me what I was supposed to do after that. And it's been the joy of my life. And it, and it really is a calling that you have been willing to take all of the shots of the evil. We know the evil one behind these people. Um, you've been you've been the tip of the spear, Marjorie, for the pro-life movement. That's why, friends, if you're just joining us, talking, we have the honor today to be talking to Marjorie Dannenfelser, president of the Susan B. Anthony List. I want you to connect with her on Facebook, on Twitter. She's at Marjorie SBA, um, and definitely go to sba-list.org. Um, what? Tell me this, Marjorie. I'm, I'm, one of the questions that, as I was praying about this interview, what are you most encouraged by right now in the pro-life movement in our country, and what what keeps you up at night? What is what is something that you're that you think is uh, an issue of great importance to us right now? Oh, I think they're the same. Um, hmm, interesting. I don't I don't know that I have the um, wisdom or vision or foresight to see that we would be in the moment that we're in now. But we are in the most hopeful movement of the pro, uh, for the pro-life movement since Roe versus Wade. There's no question about it. Um, we set out to uh, gain a very strongly pro-life Senate. And again, with a lot of work and God's grace and prayer and really a lot of work, that happened. And then we uh, worked really hard to get to elect a pro-life president. And we found the most unlikely person to be the most pro-life president ever. I mean, mm. if that isn't a biblical story, yeah. there never was one. Somebody, you know, the no the, the, and I, I find this in my own life. Like, I am not capable of doing this job. I'm not. It's it's not in me, but it is in him. And so, That's right. so anyway, so we we got both of those things. We're we're seeing not just the Supreme Court, but the entire federal court system being turned on on its head. In a, in a positive direction, 
And in a relatively short period of time, given that we've been fighting this for 47 years, we could see actual pro-life protections that are very ambitious. The beginning of the end of abortion happening right before our very eyes. Now, I'm not saying it's inevitable because nothing is inevitable, but I do think that we have the best opportunity without question that that could be the case in a very short period of time. A lot of things have to happen the right way. So when you say, what keeps me up at night, um, I really internalize in prayer and in thought and in what, the way I, we, we plan in our team, how are we going to win this election? I know you don't do elections, but we do. <laughs> and, right. and I know you right. care and people listening care, but the presidency and the pro-life Senate are the two pieces of nominating and confirming judges that will usher in what I see as the beginning of the pro-life movement. Like, we're just starting completely over and doing it in a way that I think has love at the center. It was always that, but love and success. So I think Mm. it's incredibly exciting. Not everybody, I think, has grasped how how quickly this could happen. Um, So we want to be ready. We want to win, and then we want to be ready for success. And so for the Christians who are listening to you, and and I'm so thankful that, Marjorie, you're joining us for the entire hour, but for the Christians who are listening to you, to hear you say, because there are believers, faithful men and women of God who have been praying for the pro-life cause for decades, to hear someone of your gravitas, Marjorie Dannenfelser, say, we are in the most hopeful moment pro-life moment that we've been in is incredibly encouraging but what what are immediate steps for all of us who need to be who need to get activated um, with our pro-life stance what are immediate things we should do beyond of course praying and we need to pray we want you to tell us how to pray what are our immediate steps marjorie yes you're right the unceasing prayer is the undergirds the whole success there's no question in my mind about that i believe that more and more every day um, but in terms of what, what prayer leading to action, it should lead to action in the same way that every other great human rights movement in America has succeeded. It means that people of great faith at the center of all of these movements took sometimes radical action. And when I, I don't mean um, people being obnoxious and breaking laws and acting like the left. What I really mean is making an enormous sacrifice in your life, at least for a period of time so that we can chart the course for winning the election, and then how it's going to look in every single state. If we end up eroding or overturning Roe, we have the beginning of a new pro-life movement that will be fought out in every single state. So I would say, ask yourself, what can I do to make winning possible? And then what do I do in my state to make winning beautiful? What will it look like when children who are intended for the world Um, For specific purposes, all those boys and girls, more will start arriving. The problems at the base are probably going to not change that much. But what does my pro-life state, say you're from Georgia, what does a pro-life Georgia look like? And we don't really have hints of that as much from the pre-1972 because we're living in a different world. It's not the appropriate model. So I guess I'd say two things. Take action to make sure that we win these elections and start digging in in your own state to be ready for what success looks like. We have to be aware of these 
cultural questions. We have to be willing to stand for our faith. Our faith is not, is of course, inherently, um, it is inherently something within us, but faith is never anything that we are to be keep private. Um, as Amen. Christians, we're to stand up and be counted. And friends, that's why I take these words with great, with great seriousness as Marjorie shares how we can be involved. Um, there, there's so much to be optimistic about. There's so much to be encouraged about. And specifically as we discuss the pro-life movement today, there are things we sit back and say, only God could be doing this uh, in his <laughs> so timing, true. in his way, through the people that he is using. I totally agree with all the points Marjorie's making. But so many more questions. Um, we've got to take our first break. We're going to be back in 90 seconds. And I do want to ask Marjorie about things that are happening in other countries because um, I think it, there's a message. I know there's a message for us that we can't be silent. We have to be involved. We have to live out our faith. We have to vote our faith. These are very important discussion points that we're going to have with Marjorie Dannenfelser. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnson Show. Stay with us. This is on Faith Radio Network. We'll be right back. Back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I'm joined today by Dan Enfelser, president of the Susan B. Anthony List. And if you're just catching us on Faith Radio Network, you're going to want to go back and listen to the entire program. Um, Marjorie is also dro already dropping all kinds of wisdom on us. This is a program that you're going to want to go back and listen to, even if you've joined us for the entire hour, because there's so much to be hopeful about in the pro-life movement. I love what Marjorie said in the last segment. This is the greatest human rights crisis of our time, this whole discussion around abortion. It's something you as a Christian need to be conversant in. You need to have an informed faith, a faith that you live out. Because after all, the scripture is very clear on these issues. Psalm 139 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully what made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I say that with the Psalter in Psalm 139. Marjorie, I want to I want to bring up a, a question for you. Um, I'm known um, in, in, for writing a book called Unimaginable, What Our World Would Be Like Without Christianity. I think it's a really fun way to teach what the world would be like if certain things hadn't happened the way they played out. And I recently wrote a book on what the world would be like if there was no Christian movement. And I make it very clear mm -hmm. that Christianity has always been historically pro-life. I mean, it is unequivocal. Um, to be a Christian is to be pro-life. To be a follower of Jesus is to be pro-life. And I even quote all the primary sources even outside the New Testament, like the didache, do not murder or uh, a child by abortion or kill it at birth. I mean, this is a second century document. Um, there's even a second, mid-second century document called the Epistle of Barnabas. Do not murder a child by abortion, nor again destroy that which is born. And so I have an entire subject, uh, entire section in my book just to make it very clear that Christians, since nascent Christianity, since the earliest days of the Christian movement, had have at great, like you said in the last segment, at great sacrifice to themselves, taken care of all of God's creation, life at every stage. And so I so appreciate what you're doing with Susan B. Anthony, but I think the reason that I felt compelled to write about a world without Christianity 
is my time living abroad in other countries where abortion on demand was paid for by tax dollars and readily available. Um, I, like you, have five children, Susan, or five children, Marjorie. Um, And when I lived in Canada, our son Justin had a kidney issue. um, And I was shocked to learn that in the same health system uh, in Canada, universal health care, where we were trying to really have serious saving measures with our son's kidney, Justin, in the same health system, there was abortion available on demand, free of charge, paid for by my tax dollars. I mean, wow, I, I lived in that area and I saw what happens in countries where Christianity is literally marginalized. So I'm not one of those boogeyman Christians, but we do need to leaders define reality, don't they, Marjorie? Tell us about what could happen in this country if Christians don't stand up and if Christians are not uh, courageous, um, what could happen? I want you to tell us about that. Yeah, well, I what I see is uh, the flip side of, of what you saw. And I'm, by the way, I, you and I live in the club of crazy with us five kids. It's a wonderful, wonderful chaos <laughs> yes, every day. Um, um, and, I'm, and I have a child with special needs, and I would tell you that that is the one that when mm. I faltered in my own call in the pro-life movement, wow. she's the one that restored my resolve. But wow. so what I what I believe, um, and it's just frankly written into history, is that um, is that in in our country and in others, when there were great human rights violations, it was the Christian people that stepped into the breach and um, spoke. Uh, with, with the risk of being wildly misunderstood and being unpopular, and perhaps not being economically rewarded because of their uh, because of their sacrifices, perhaps not being politically popular because of their sacrifices. Thinking of William Wilberforce and his um, his stand against the slave trade in England, and then in our country, um, child labor uh, before child labor laws, where children were working at eight years old for 12, 14-hour days, um, mm. where Mississippi blacks were hosed down with uh, fire hoses. And then people had made themselves unpopular by stepping in and often really exposing, making a visual argument. Uh, everything that I just discussed um, required certainly articulation, conviction of believers, but then also giving a visual picture um, an argument about what that human rights violation looks like. The, the suffrage movement was the same, populated mm, by Christian right. women, um, and this, and, uh, and by the way, who are who are all pro-life. So, um, so stepping into that breach to speak to the dignity of that human being, the created by God person sent to this world for a purpose that only that person could could um, could live out without whom we are a dysfunctional world by definition because he was sent they sent these people were sent here for purposes to the extent that we put ourselves in the way uh we are we are undermining his purposes and causing dysfunction on a family level on a community level on a Mm. national level Mm. on an international level so i think the consequence of failing to step up is often invisible we can't even understand the many layers of of dysfunction because so much of this has the spiritual right. and eternal. Um, but we can certainly say, like in the example of my daughter 
with special needs and, and children like her. When they come into a family, they make them, they require and call, God calls them to be something they, they, weren't, they, they weren't before. Enormously wow. sacrificial in the way that Christ calls us to be. So on every level, it has a, beautiful, right. has a positive consequence for winning and a horrifically negative consequence for salvation and, and joy in this life. I want to talk with you uh, about now what we can do as Christian leaders. For the thousands of Christian leaders God has given in these individuals influence, and either they're pastors or Bible teachers, they have media programs of their own. Um, I want to tee you up this way, Marjorie, because I, I want you to preach for a moment. Um, one of the doctoral seminars that I'll never forget attending when I was at Oxford was a doctoral seminar on the de-Christianization of Britain. And it was a scholar from Spurgeon's College, London, and she presented her, her research on when all of the pro-abortion laws were passed in the 1960s in Britain, she showed the corresponding silence of the pulpits in Britain that were pastors, pastors who write commentaries, pastors who, if I said their name, many of them, Though they're dead and in heaven now, they're still quoted and, and beloved today. But these same pastors who so many of us admired were, had a deafening silence about this issue of abortion. And so there was a corollary with the rise of all of the pro-abortion legislation and the silence of the pastors in the UK. It, w it was a profound doctoral seminar that I happened to attend, and I learned so much about it. And I left it saying, Lord, may I never be silent about this issue. Um, where are we at right now? Because I see, I see all kinds of statistics. And, you know, <laughs> there's a famous quote I'm not going to say on a Christian radio station that Mark Twain once said about lies and statistics. <laughs> but <laughs> where, where are we at? I mean, I hear some very frightening statistics. You educate us, Marjorie. Uh, but I also know what I see just after receiving 30,000 questions from Christians at our Christian Thinker Society events. What, what do pastors need to do to get activated in the pro-life movement? What's your message to pastors who can't decide whether or not they should ever speak about it? Because, you know, there's a lot of them that would never even mention it in their pulpit. They're going to stand before God for that. Um, what, what, what can we do to get them activated? And why should they speak on this issue? I think they speak to the, the, the wisdom that you just communicated is spot on. It's the wisdom of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a Lutheran pastor, uh, conspired to um, get rid of Hitler. Um, he was caught and martyred. But what he said was, was exactly what you just said, which is to fail to speak is to speak. To fail right. to act is to act. It's a passive leadership that everyone notices. And so in the Catholic Church and in evangelical churches across the country, in every church that aspires to follow the Word of God, um, if a pastor is not communicating this and the urgency, the daily urgency of it, and the culture-wide urgency of doing something about it, the people in the pews need to speak, need to, in, in love and kindness, insist that this be addressed always, but especially now. Uh, the consequence of not doing that is the equivalent of the gallows for the children and misery right. and harm, spiritual, physical, emotional harm to every woman every day, two times 2,000. Um, so I, I think that it's a really, while, while it is very, very hard, it's also very simple. Everyone mm -hmm. has a sphere of influence, everyone. 
um, and everyone's thinking about how they can affect um, the, uh, the advocacy around them and then also the practical circumstances for helping women and children. Everyone can do that. Um, that example and that word will lead others. And it, and it already has happened in such a beautiful scale that that's why we're talking about this particular beautiful moral issue prevailing in a moment where a lot of others are going south. We're suffering under, a, under religious liberty attacks. We're suffering under attacks on marriage. But, but the pro-life movement is on the ascendancy. And God is allowing this to happen. I don't know why. But I do think that it could be the op- an opening of the door where light can come in and that conversions can occur through the pro-life movement. So I, and I've seen it all around. I bet we all have. That that happens all the time. Um, so the mm. consequence is not just as if it was a little thing, the death of children and the misery of women, the consequence of not stepping up is souls not saved. That's right. And, uh, and it's all about souls. Friends, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Marjorie Dannenfelser, president of the Susan B. Anthony List, someone who you need to know, someone who you need to follow, need to connect with, need to support with prayers, with finances, um, and need to be conversant. And what I love is, is Marjorie and the Susan B. Anthony List, are, they educate us. They help us become informed. They help us know how to vote our faith at the ballot box. Um, we've only got about 60 seconds before our next break, but um, I want to ask you, how can we pray for you right now uh, Marjorie, with all that you're doing, we only we have got to go to a break. And you, thank you for joining us uh, for the following segment. But I just want to ask you in 60 seconds, how can we pray for you? Uh, pray for me and every family that's down on the, that is also down on their knees fighting this fight, especially in the next year where so much will happen in these elections. Friends, when we come back, I want to talk more with Marjorie Dannenfelser, Susan B. Anthony List, about some of the reluctance of evangelicals to engage in this issue. I also want to talk for those of you who are struggling, perhaps you've had an abortion, perhaps you, um, you're just hurting over it. You feel like uh, you've been left out of this discussion. You're not going to be left out of this discussion on this interview, on this show today, because there's always hope in the name of Jesus. There's always redemption in the name of Jesus. So lots more to discuss. We're coming up on our final segment. This is the Jeremiah Johnson Show on Faith Radio Network. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I'm joined by Marjorie Dannenfelser, president of the Susan B. Anthony List. We're having a phenomenal conversation, so informative and inspiring. Uh, Marjorie is educating us. She's updating us. There's a great call to action. Friends, I can't think of a more important pro-life organization to support with your prayers and your dollars other than the Susan B. Anthony List. The work they're doing at the grassroots level, at the state level, at the federal level, and then the people that I know whom God is giving Marjorie, great influence with behind closed doors. This person, uh, this organization is truly the pro-life tip of the spear. I thank God for all the pro-life organizations. And I thank God for you, Marjorie, and the great work that you're doing. Um, I, I want to share with you a document 
that I always remind people of what the world was like without Christianity. And I mentioned this. I actually showed a slide at the same event we spoke at the Wilberforce weekend in Washington, D.C. earlier this year. A lot of people um, don't realize what the world was like. And I, I truly say oftentimes when Christians are marginalized, when if Christianity were to collapse, we will quickly return to the days of Rome. And in the days of Rome in the 50th and 50 B.C., there was a letter called P. Oxy 744, Papyrus Oxyrhynchus 744, Hilarion writing a love letter to his wife back at home in Oxyrhynchus. He's working in Alexandria. Their child will be born before he returns home from work. And he nonchalantly in Greek writes, if it is a boy, keep it. If it is a girl, throw it out. Eon, ein, theleia, ekbale in Greek. Literally, if it's female, throw it away. No one would have batted an eye in the first century Roman world at if it's a boy, keep it. If it's a girl, throw it out. What changed that? What changed the conversation? The Jesus movement. The X factor is always the Jesus movement and our, the founder of our religion who said, let the children come to me. How important has Christianity and the Christian movement been for women, Marjorie? Oh, it's been the great liberator, where abortion was supposed to be the great liberator, according to the feminists of the 60s and early 70s. As it turned out, it's been the great enslaver. And instead, Christian people and the Christian message is the great liberator. I mean, think about how Christ himself came into this world. He knew himself what it meant to be knit together in his mother's womb. Uh, he, he, spoke, right. he spoke to us from her womb. I don't know how Amen. you could have a... Uh, a more clear <laughs> advocacy uh, for the dignity of the human person than how the Lord himself came here and how and the reverence of Mary uh, and her role in salvation, just being with him all the time. Think of it, the honor of being the of knowing Jesus more than any other living human being. Mm. What an honor. And the, and the rest of the women in the Bible always uplifted and affirmed and loved by our Lord, all those messages um, that, that feminists really just kind of set aside, that, that, um, and that true equality based in the Lord's, um, the, the Lord's communication of what equality is, not meaning the same, but being beautiful and equal in dignity, um, that is liberating. And, you know, it means we don't have to fight all the time. That's right. Who wants to marry, who wants to marry ourselves? That would be super boring. Someone yeah. <laughs> totally different than you <laughs> is a discovery um, and not the enemy. So um, it has been a great liberator. And frankly, the suffrage movement in the United States acknowledged that completely across the board. They acknowledged right. how abortion was, uh, Susan B. Anthony herself said, that the act will burden her conscience in life. It will burden her soul in the grave. But thrice guilty is the one who drove her to the dreadful deed. These days, we mm. can think Planned Parenthood when we hear that in the yeah, abortion right. industry. Um, mm. So the, the, the true liberation is when we include people. We welcome people into our world, men from a woman's perspective, and then children who, who are already here. The welcoming and, the, and love is by nature expansive. That's liberation. Mm. I love it. Um, in Luke chapter 1, verse 15, speaking of John the Baptist, someone Jesus said there was no one greater born among women than John the Baptist. It says that 
he would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. I, I've, I've, I've never forgotten that passage. I teach the Gospel of Luke. I love that passage. I mean, when we start to think about that, he was filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. So even within his own mother's womb, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a great reminder amazing? of the pro-life message right there in, yeah. the, in, in the infancy narratives in the first chapter of the mm-hmm. Gospel of Luke. <laughs> um, together like we moms yeah. together all the time too those moms got together and and those cousins were communicating at the at the time so much so that you know he left in um elizabeth's womb the moment that christ uh was in his vicinity i mean you just can't miss it <laughs> christianity no, is can't. a pro-life religion it is it's the and most fundamental preaching that it has this is why you need to be a Christian thinker if you're listening to this broadcast. That's why a Christian thinker society, we're committed to every single follower of Jesus, not just a few Delta Force Christians like Marjorie Dannenfelser, but every one of you <laughs> getting on the playing field, uh, being front lines for the kingdom of God, being informed, having a conversant faith. Um, and it's amazing. The more you know about your faith, the more you, comfortable you are to even have these very important faith dialogues. Marjorie, I want to ask you for many Christians who are listening to you right now, Uh, They themselves have had an abortion, and they're just wondering where they are in this discussion. They feel guilty. You know, Satan reminds Mm -hmm. us that we're sinners, that we're icky on the inside, and the enemy has a way of just reminding us we're not worthy, or perhaps I can't be involved because I've had an abortion, or I've never Mm -hmm. even told anyone. My spouse may not know. Mm -hmm. Can you take for a moment, we need the balm of Gilead at this moment in the discussion. Um, Can you just minister to women out there? Oh, I would say to you, if you have had an abortion or somebody very close to you has had an abortion, so empathy makes you feel like you can't act, you have more to offer than almost anyone in the pro-life movement because you know more than anyone else the reality of what we're trying to speak to. The, the, the fact that you have gone through the decision-making process and then the reality and the consequences makes you better equipped to advocate than any pro-life leader that hasn't gone mm. through that, in my opinion. Mm. Um, I, when I was very pro-choice, I thought I was going to have an abortion. I knew I would, and I was counting on an abortion if I needed it, because that's, what, that's mm. the way I thought about it. So while I didn't live the horror, because I didn't have to, I didn't live the horror and the aftermath, I did understand the thinking, and <laughs> it made no sense to me to take the pro-life position. But Mm. if you are a a Christian and you've gone through this, you deserve our love, our support, and a platform for advocacy, even if it's just among your friends and family. It can be an incredibly healing thing to hear from you. Um, And it may be healing to yourself to be able to go through that with somebody else. Marjorie, how important is support? Because I I think something Christians may be ill-informed on, and you can correct me if my numbers are out of date, but something like 80 or 90% of abortions in the United States are from unmarried women. How Mm important, first off, I don't know if, I want to make sure I'm quoting an accurate statistic, but um, how important is healthy marriage, healthy family, healthy support groups Mm -hmm. in this discussion about the sanctity of life? Incredibly important because it's also over 50% are repeat abortions. So the, mm. the first time it happens, there is no healing. There's just a sense of relief. So you immediately get on your life, and then disaster strikes again, and it happens again. So another cap on your misery has just occurred. So the stopping that, um, that cycle of, 
of mistakes and further mistakes and getting deeper and deeper in the hole uh, means that we've got to be there. We've got to be the hands of Christ reaching out, bringing these women in who need, certainly they need help at that particular moment, but they need help in the future as well. And their children that you allow to be born into the world will need that help as well. It's something we, at Susan B. Anthony List, are very, very focused on what success will look like after right. Roe is gone and we're passing pro-life right. laws. What will, the, what will it look like? It should be a community of believers embracing each other in every trial and every difficulty and rejoicing in the children regardless of, how, of what their circumstances were. Um, so digging in and that support in the pro-life community and in, ministry, in, in pregnancy centers, but then also the ministries and churches, whether it's from the pulpit or even probably at least as important, perhaps more, is in the hands that are serving women in, in um, churches uh, and, and, and in speaking in ways that are inviting and never shaming, that are affirming and never rejecting, um, while not condoning the sin, but really loving the woman who finds himself there. Um, and then those women, I believe, turn out to be the best, some of the best advocates we've ever had and the best healers that we've ever known. You're bringing up such an important point, and this is why I have um, so much confidence in Susan B. Anthony. You're already showing us what success looks like. And yes, it will be a great success when Roe v. Wade, by God's grace, is overturned. Then, yes, there will be battles at the state levels. But then the greatest responsibility falls, falls to Christians to be the greatest support network for women. Um, isn't that right, Marjorie? And, and you're already oh, showing us how we need to stand up and be ready for those moments. I think so. And I think having that in your mind and planning it in reality um, is, a, is, is an important argument as we're fighting these legal battles. Because the big argument that we get back is, you don't care about these women. You, just, right. care about the, you just care about birth. And you don't care about what happens to the child after and you just all you want about out of that woman is another baby. Well, we know that that's wrong, but we also need to say no. Let me tell you about the reality of what life support in America looks like right now, and contrast that with the hideousness that a woman receives when she comes into an abortion clinic. No kidding. She's gutted, and then they never see her again. She's left to live with that misery for the rest of her life. Compare that, and they begin the comparison. There is none. One is beautiful. And one is dark. Hmm, hmm. And I think it's one of the great apologetics for our faith is just the, the ministry of presence that Christianity offers in mm -hmm. people's lives. We only have two minutes left, but I want to ask you, Marjorie, how important are, we've talked a lot about women, women the entire show, but I think one of the most influential factors in a mother's decision to end a pregnancy is, is the lack of a father figure. How important is it for fathers to be engaged, men to be responsibles, men to be men of God? so important and they are the um often the ignored entity that is half responsible and um and has his own beliefs and loves and, and ability to support one of the things that we're encouraging and we're working toward in states as we prepare um is is child support uh requiring child support from conception now mm. that's more of a law and not a ministry, but it does reflect the reality of this. There are two people in every single, the, and so far, nobody's come up with a better way. There's a man and a woman in every child's making <laughs> along <That's right>. with God. <laughs> and, uh, and so 
he goes through quite a lot, and he has quite a lot of responsibility. Um, and most women don't, if it's, especially if it's a if it's a first abortion, um, would prefer to cut him out of the pro- process because he has no say. Well, that's simply not true. He has a spe- has a specific and unique and complementary say. Maybe not the same thing, but the ministries that pregnancy care centers are now starting to. Um, men in the process are really important and I believe should really be supported. Amen and amen. Um, I want to extend this because it's so important to end where we began. We have to vote our faith. Speak right now to the believers who are listening to you. They just, they feel a reluctance around this issue. You know, this has been too political. I love the Jeremiah Johnson show. It strengthens my faith and it, it helps me with apologetics. But, you know, this show's made me a little more uncomfortable, Jeremiah, because, you know, I'm just <laughs> reluctant to engage with politics. Friends, I'm telling you, this is the whole gospel. We have to live this out. But I want to hear from Marjorie Dannenfelser. What is your response to those who, maybe this show's just making them a little bit uncomfortable. How can they get on the playing field and get activated in this and why should they? We need every single one. Yeah. Well, discomfort's usually a pretty good sign. It has to be dealt with. So I would say some of the most uncomfortable people in our American history were the founders, those believers who set up a government that gave us all the tools to correct the deep human rights violations that they knew would come because sin sin exists. And what they set up was was an electoral system, a way that people could elect their representatives who could restore dignity when it was taken away. We know that because they start. We started out with some horrible violations allowed through um, through slavery in the very beginning. So, mm-hmm. but it it this system completely depends upon the active civic engagement of believers. That's right. And without it, there is no moral um, bumpers for us to live by. Um, we just leave it up to whatever happens, and we go in the cave and we try to live our life. But you know that's just not going to work. Living in the that's cave right. isn't even going to be allowed anymore so active voting not just yourself but making sure that others do the same and um using christian principles and frankly the litmus test additionally of life will mean that we will have a supreme court and uh, that and, and courts all over the country that will finally uphold pro-life laws so that we're not one of the seven worst countries in the world anymore this that's country right. that's supposed to be the shining city. Um, so if you if you haven't before, you know, think of the, uh, this as the beginning of a new of a new leaf and do it in a beautiful way. Don't assume it. How do you have to do it in a way that others you don't respect to it? Um, but it's, this is the moment. That's for sure. I love it. Friends, we've been joined this entire program. She's been so generous with her time by Marjorie Dannenfelser. Marjorie, I hope that everyone will connect with you right now on social media and will connect with the Susan B. Anthony list with their prayers, their financial support. I hope that they will receive this call to action and get engaged and get involved. One final note, Marjorie, uh, one of the unique reads that I had in uh, writing my book that I mentioned was a book called The Hand of God by Bernard Nathanson. A Journey from Death to Life by the Abortion Doctor Who Changed His Mind. It's a dated book, but it was really encouraging to me. Another just, I know there's so many powerful testimonies. So Christians, friends who are listening to us, um, add these books to your library. Be conversant in this issue. Be informed in your faith and watch God use you right now to go change another person's mind and life and heart for eternity. Marjorie, God bless you. God bless the Susan B. Anthony list. Thank you so much for joining us on this program today. 
Jeremiah, thank you. What a pleasure and a delight. Friends, I'll be right back with my final thoughts. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnson Show on Faith Radio Network. Johnston and friends, the Bible is so clear that we are to value the sanctity of human life, and we see that from God himself. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man and woman in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Yes, every single person has inherent value in God's eyes. It is a message that will speak today. It is a message that will penetrate deep into the human hearts. But we're living in a time when the, human, the sanctity of human life is utterly devalued. Is it any wonder that suicide rates are at an all-time high depression off the charts mental we have a mental health crisis in fact i just met with the sheriff of my county the most diverse county in america fort bend county here in houston texas and he said that mental health is the challenge of our county and i see that in counties all over the united states in the places that i minister and so friends it all comes back to valuing the dignity of every single person. You were made in the image of Almighty God. God has a great plan for your life. It's in plans and promises to strengthen you, to be with you at every moment, to give you purpose and hope in your life. Will you help me champion this message? Will you help me by being pro-life? Will you stand up and be counted for Christianity and no longer be silent about these very important cultural issues? Friends, we can't. The time is now. The opportunities are before us. And my prayer today is that this broadcast has encouraged you, even emboldened you, and affirmed your faith in new and holistic ways. We'll see you next time on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Thanks so much for joining us. Lord bless you. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you. So if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.